Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, June the 22nd in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is my good friend, Wes Reimnitz, and he finds articles that we can talk about from an interesting perspective of Law and Gospel. And the one that you sent me that I found very interesting, Wes, was something about people going down to see the Titanic and now they are lost? Yes. Uh, the article I sent you was by one of those that went down last year. And he talks about some of the things that he had, but... Uh, there's a company called Ocean's Gate that built a submersible, uh-huh. which, um, which is called a Titan. Now, a submarine can go down about a mile, and that's about as far down as a submarine can go before being crushed in before the pressures. Really? But a submersible going down to the Titanic, you have to dive about almost two and a half miles to get there. Wow. So, you know, titanium hulls, uh, all kinds of things. In fact, it's about uh, the size of a minivan for them to climb in. These uh, five people, the, the captain and four paying customers. These four paying customers pay about $250,000 for a seat for the opportunity to go down and see that and they're not guaranteed that they may come back up. Oh, yes, the article made the point that uh, even though there have been visits to the Titanic last year, Mike Rice, R-E-I-S-S, said that he knew he could die when he kissed his wife goodbye before the dive. And she was supposed to go with them, Remember why she didn't go? She didn't go because she had uh, COVID. Well, I read that, and then I was wondering, why was he kissing her? (laughs) Yeah, I wondered about that, too. I mean, that's how you catch COVID, and, you know, by getting near someone with it, and then he's in this encapsulated little form of a submersible and it indicated they had so much air in it. When did the article say that that air was supposed to run out by? Actually, well, the article talks about uh, 70, 70 to 96 hours of oxygen, but that's right now as we speak, it can be this morning or this afternoon that they run out of air. Exactly. Yeah, it said by Thursday afternoon, they would run out of air. Now, here's my question. Why would anybody want to go two and a half miles down into the sea to see the Titanic that sank 111 years ago on April 15, 1912? Why do people do that? Well, they say it's, it's kind of a cultural icon. 
you know, they made that movie a while back about the Titanic. Yes. And then, of course, they found found it in this two-and-a-half-mile deep uh, ocean. Yes. Rice said, it's like being a Mercury astronaut. This wasn't a vacation. It wasn't tourism. It was exploration. And you're getting on a ship that's the best it could be, but they're learning as they go along what happened with the Titanic. And he said, you get a lot of excitement and also constant trepidation, constantly knowing this could be the end. So we, we pray that somehow they're able to find this now, you know, what surprises me, two and a half miles is not really that far. Uh, going down into the ocean, it's huge. But have you ever run, when I was in high school, we would have a competition and we would run around a park and that park just running around it once was one mile and it wasn't unusual for people to run around three times. Why wouldn't they attach some kind of tether to this capsule and simply pull it up? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's like he says, uh, uh, they learning as they go along with this, that, uh, that they that they do this. I mean, I found it incredible that anybody with with that kind of money, because two two of the people that are passengers that are on there are billionaires, and they pay two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars per seat to, to to get on this thing. Well, it kind of reminds you when they took off into space and those individuals remember it exploded. Uh, and I remember uh, the president Reagan was even there when that happened. And that, you know, is just as dangerous, but um, you, you would think they would know enough about the Titanic that they wouldn't have to learn much more. Yeah. Well, my question is, how do we see this from a, a law gospel perspective? Yes. Can we say that that is a sin? I personally, if you were their pastor and they came to you and said, we're going to go on a trip down to see the Titanic, uh, and it's happened before, and we're going in a similar submersible, and we paid this much money, and then we're going to be coming back. Would you tell them that that was a sin? You know, I don't know if I tell them a sin. I tell them if they were crazy to do it. Well, yeah, I wouldn't call it a sin also, because there are people who take tours around the world, and they go to areas that I would not go to. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You get on a 
on an ice flow up somewhere up along Greenland or the Antarctic. Yes. Yeah, there's danger wherever you go. So, in other words, if they were members of your congregation, I would still continue to give them communion because that isn't in and of itself a sin. But it is something that they should be aware of. And it seems like they were aware that they might not live through it. And that's not something I personally would do. Although a lot of times I, I drive 600 miles a week going to the churches in Illinois that I'm serving. And it is not at all unusual that on two lane roads, cars are passing me all the time. Right. They're really going over the speed limit. And it's been interesting. You can tell I go through a speed limit 35, then it goes up to 45, then it goes up to 55. And I can see a car behind me and they're almost on my tail. And as soon as I hit the 45 thing, even if there's a double line, sometimes they'll pass me. And, and so mm. even riding on a highway can be very dangerous. And you need to put your life in God's hands. Well, there you're putting your life in God's hands. But what if those one of those five say that God's going to protect me and I'll make it no matter what, knowing that the risks are greater that you may end up uh, dying yes. from it? That's where a pastor can be helpful in finding out what are the real possibilities that could occur. Is this the first submersible that didn't make it back? It, it seems like it, because this article that I picked out was, they were quoting a guy who did it the year before. Oh, yes. Was a real, so this was like going on. I mean, in order to get into that submersible, once you get into it, they bolt the hatches shut with bolts from the outside. There's no way you can get get out from the inside unless they bolt you recover the hatch. Yes. I mean, this is really something. Well, I imagine, I, I didn't realize that submarines can only go a mile down. I thought they that's could go further. But that's, what that's, the, uh, that's what they're telling in the news, yeah. Well, we'll keep them in our prayers, and hopefully they'll be found today and brought back to the surface. And it'll be interesting to see how long somebody else wants to attempt this. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry now, I'm laughing, but I just can't see it. No. The, the other article you gave me is some people may suggest that it's close to the former one but it's entitled sin never stands still it either grows or withers and it's by sharon eidelman who's a guest contributor and so this is very interesting um it begins by talking about uh a blog from Dan Delzel, 
Delzo. Uh, do you want to read what it says that he was going through? Well, how do you go from being a devoted five of, father of five and a successful Silicon Valley executive into a 51-year-old man convulsing from a failed dose of heroin on a 50-foot yacht with a prostitute walking all over your dying body to take a final sip of wine before leaving you to die. That kind of presents the question, how do tragedies like this take place? This is really a good question because the Bible answers it. We've been looking at Proverbs and how God thinks. And how do tragedies like this take place? And his answer was one step at a time. And what does he say about the devil, what the devil rarely does? Well, the first, uh, the enemy rarely pushes you off a cliff, so to speak. How often right. do you let down one step at a time? Yeah, one compromise at a time, one wrong choice at a time. And that really is a good example of what happened to Adam and Eve. Yeah. They had a choice not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they first began to believe the devil. Then they even said things that God had not said in trying to defend God. And of course, then when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, guess what happened? They fell into sin. So the enemy, which is the devil, does not show a couple the pain and anguish and the years of regret that a, a sin like adultery brings. Rather, Satan deceives them with the temporary enjoyment of false living and a false sense of a freedom from responsibility. Now, I thought that was well put because when was the last time you did a sin and you said, well, I know this is a sin against you, God, but I am free from having to be responsible to you. And then you went ahead and did the sin. <laughs> I never did one like that. Did you? No. Yeah. Once you realize it's against God's will, then you attempt to assuage it. You attempt not to do it. And that's why we're tempted, not just by the devil, but the world and the flesh. We're tempted every day. And the uh, devil, does, go ahead. Well, how does that fit into Romans where Paul says, the good that I would that I should not, it ends up being the very evil that I, I don't want to do because sin wars within me. Because the devil never shows you ahead of time the pain that sin will bring. In fact, uh, I enjoy watching FBI files on YouTube. These are all true story files. Many of them, uh, in fact, I say the majority of them, are about a man and a woman who lives together outside of marriage, and then they run into all kinds of problems from a financial point of view. Who's going to pay uh, the amount of rent? Who's going to pay for the food, etc.? 
And uh, I was watching Judge Judy once and she looked at these two people who had grown to hate each other living together. And she says, that's a real problem that instead of living together, you should buy individual rooms for each of you so you don't get caught in this. Now, I disagree with that too, because that also is sin. But she's making a point that God simply doesn't bless two people living together outside of what God considers a marriage between a man and a woman. And you know, you, you know what, what brings to mind is the passage in Corinthians where sin is like a veil that blinds us. Right. Isn't that what we're also, why we can't see sometimes that it's just a temporary pleasure that brings about pain and well, remember when Jesus healed a man born blind and then the unbelieving Pharisees looked at him and said, are we blind also? And Jesus said something very interesting. He said, because you can see or you think you can see, you are blind. Because they thought they were okay doing the works that God wanted them to do. And that led to a real problem in their life because those works do not offset their sin. Only mm -hmm. Jesus does. So really it's a, a battle within us. Yeah, what does Galatians 5.17 talk about? Well, it says that the Spirit gives us the desire that are opposite from what our sinful nature desires and that these two influences are constantly fighting against each other. Yes. In, in fact, uh, he told a little story. It says, a story I heard illustrates this truth. A young man determined to find help for his troubled wife, life walked to a neighboring church. He told the pastor that his life was meaningless and in constant turmoil. He wanted to make better choices, but couldn't. He described the conflict in this way. It is as if I have two dogs constantly battling within me. One dog is evil. The other dog is good. The battles are long and difficult. They drain me emotionally and mentally. How did the pastor respond to him? Well, he asked the question, which dog wins the battle? And the young, and the man, young man answered, the evil dog. Then the pastor said to him, that's the one that you feed the most. You need to starve the dog to death. Boy, that's really a good way of putting it. So we, we've got uh, a number of people who enjoy pornography and by looking at it and enjoying it, it finally embraces them. And when that happens, then they don't starve. They keep looking for more, etc., And they'll go to bars, etc., cetera, uh, that are inappropriate. In other words, what we embrace 
eventually embraces us. Mm. What do they say about the more we follow that which is good? The faster and the further we flee from that which is evil. Exactly. That That's really a well put together. So Romans 8 simply says, who controls you? The evil dog or the good dog? Uh, our simple nature controls our mind. There is death, but if the Holy Spirit controls our mind, there is life and peace. Well said. With the Holy Spirit, that's with God's help, you can begin to control your thoughts instead of allowing your thoughts to control you. For those who are skeptical about the media's influence, consider why companies spend millions of dollars for commercials. They understand the concept of suggestive selling. For example, one of the things I did with Confirmands, I would show them commercials from television and show that the commercial wasn't talking about the product, but what the product could lead to. For example, uh, underarm deodorant. Uh, they were having commercial about that. And what did they show? That if you use this underarm deodorant, then you would be on a sandy beach playing volleyball with good-looking girls. And that just doesn't happen. You know what I would do in confirmation is when we got to the section that we wanted to do hymnology and talk about hymns, Yes. God. They they'd want to talk about their rock and roll type stuff that they had. So I'd have them bring in their CDs or whatever and we would listen to them and say, What are they saying? And they said, We exactly. don't want to do this anymore because we know this is wrong. And this can lead to questioning God's existence, experiencing violent bursts of anger struggling with addiction or other sins, and continually feeling depressed or discouraged. In, in fact, recent surveys among women are finding many of them are like that because they think that to really be a proper person, you have to act like a male. You have to have the things that males do and the positions that males have. And that's not correct. Uh, I, as a male, I really appreciate uh, the work my wife does. And it's work that I don't necessarily enjoy doing, like cleaning the house, dishes, laundry. But she also was an RN and spent time in helping people in hospitals. So you, you can't say that you need to change your gender in order to be an appropriate Christian. Mm. Yeah. Reminds me of my wife. The, the day I got married, my godmother said, you're going to have your hands full with her. She's going to keep you moving and and uh, grooving. And you're right. She keeps a wonderful house for me. I never have to worry about those things. Yep. And great help me. 
And so is that why you divorced her in two weeks? <laughs> no, no, How long have you been this, married right now? This is uh, 40, 41 years. We're in wow. our 41st year. How long yeah, have you been on, married? We're on 55. 55, so, woo. What do you mean, wool? We're still young. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I keep telling her that I gaze upon her beauty. Yeah, you see, that's the problem, is that a lot of people don't look at the beauty of the world in which God has placed them. And they go step by step what they desire. Uh, in Proverbs, we were looking at it on Tuesday, that a person who loves wine and oil often does not love God because their pleasure is in the secular world. And they're more concerned about having good things here on earth. What can you take with you when you're put in the grave? Uh, only the faith that God has given to you. Exactly. And no amount of what you've done, gathered together, etc. That's what Solomon was concerned about, that he had brought all these riches into his family. And now his sons, who had hardly worked on any of this, they were going to receive it all. And, and well, so that bothered him. But there's also a secondary sharing of faith with, with, with other people. That uh, that they come to faith through through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, that uh, they too will be in heaven, sharing that, yes. that faith with our family. And that faith is shared by simply doing what the apostles did, saying what Jesus told them, and how the Spirit moved them to preach to Jew and Gentile. So, good article here, Wes, about how sin either grows if you keep watching it or withers if you don't starve it to death. That's Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.